0: This uh, past Wednesday was the first day of Lent. Now, if you didn't grow up in the church, you may not be familiar with Lent, and even if you did grow up in the church, you may not have practiced it, depending on uh, what tradition you grew up in. Now, Lent is observed in the time leading up to Easter. Some traditions will have it end on the sunset the day before Easter. Others will end sometime between Palm Sunday and Good Friday. Now, the most common practice when it comes to Lent is the practice of giving something up. It could be, you know, food or drink like candy or soda or coffee or meat or alcohol. It could be something recreational like TV or music or video games. Uh, you have to give up something you enjoy. Uh, kids, you can't give up school or homework or doing the dishes. Trust me, I tried it as a kid. My parents didn't go for it, all right? Uh, grown-ups. We can't give up things like going to the gym, all right? We have the whole year to not go to the gym. You can't use that for Lent, okay? Um, Now, while Lent isn't specifically mentioned in the Bible, there is a biblical basis for it. Um, After Jesus was baptized, he was led into the desert wilderness where he fasted for 40 days and nights. Well, if Jesus fasted for 40 days and nights, we should fast for 40 days and nights. Now, in Lent, you can fast from anything. It doesn't have to be food. One of our directives here at TFRC is transform lives, where we live visibly different lives because of our faith in Jesus. Giving up something for Lent is a tangible, practical way to live differently because of our faith in Jesus. We just finished a series called Stuffed, where we considered how we are stuffed with our stuff and grudges and ourselves and pleasures. And we were challenged to give up what we are stuffed with in order to make room for God to work in us. Well, that's what Lent is all about, to prepare our hearts, to prepare our lives for what God wants to do in us. Scripture this morning Uh, comes from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. You can also look it up on your phones. Um, Matthew chapter 4 begins with an account of Jesus's temptations. You can also find this account in Luke chapter 4. And this is the biblical basis for the season of Lent. Our scripture reader is Scout Irby. Scout, go ahead and make your way on up to the podium. And as Scout does that, I'm going to invite the rest of you, if you're able to please stand and face the center of the room. We read scripture from the center of the room to remind us that scripture is to be central in our lives, and we stand because we believe this is the word of God. And so, Scout, whenever you are ready, please read from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11.
1: Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the the temple. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him.
0: Scout, thank you very much. You may be seated. Now, how many of you have ever driven down the 93 to the 15 to go to either Vegas or California? If you've made that trip down through Nevada, okay, talk about a desert wilderness, all right? Um, We've made that trip many times over the years, dozens and dozens of times, actually. And then, uh, as many of you probably also do, when you hit Ely, we take the 6 to the 318 shortcut and then meet up again with the 93. Now... Um, Have you ever almost ran out of gas on that trip? Okay, thank you, please. I don't want to be the only one, so I appreciate your honesty. There was one time we were coming back from California, and our kids were like six, four, and two. They were all pretty, pretty young. And so we took the exit off of the 15 to get on the 93. Now today, there's a Love's gas station there. Back then, there was not a gas station there. Um, And so you had to get gas in Vegas if you wanted to fill up. Um, uh, We were driving a minivan, had just over a quarter tank of gas, and it's like 80 miles to Alamo once you get on the 93 off the 15. And I didn't want to stop for gas uh, in Vegas. And so I just said, we'll get gas in Alamo. And my wife Shannon asked, well, are you sure we have enough gas? We'll be fine, we'll be fine. Okay, so as we got closer to Alamo, the gaslight comes on, which made Shannon even more nervous. And I said, dear Shannon, we have at least we got 25 miles after the gaslight comes on. And as I'm saying that, we pass a sign that says Alamo, 30 miles. <laughs> uh now I'm nervous, now I'm nervous. And so this was in the summertime and we're in the desert and it's super hot, it had to be at least 100 degrees. It was super hot. Well, in order to conserve gas, we had to turn off the air conditioning and I drove 55 the whole way. Um, And what I was thinking was, every mile closer that we make it to Alamo is two less miles I will have to walk. Because if we run out of of gas, every mile I gotta walk that way, I gotta walk it back this way too. Um, And so I'm counting that way. Well, long story short, we made it to Alamo for gas. So that was really good because it's all desert, it's crazy. Um, And ever since then, just in case you're wondering, we stop for gas in every town on that trip. It doesn't matter how much gas we have in the tank, all right? Um, now, it would have been miserable to have to walk even one mile to Alamo. You just don't want to get stuck. When you're making that trip on 93, you do not want to get stuck. It is miserable in the desert. Well, it is in the wilderness, it is in the desert that the devil comes to tempt Jesus. Now, just so you're, you know, this picture up front is actually a picture of the Judean wilderness, which is where Jesus went into the wilderness in this story. So this gives you a little bit of a picture of where Jesus was wandering around, walking around in the wilderness. So the devil comes to tempt Jesus, and he is hungry. Now, we avoid being in the desert without, you know, all by ourselves when it, where it's hot, um, and we'll either literally try to avoid it, like our trips on the 93, or we like to avoid the desert figuratively, meaning when it feels like we are living our lives in a desert. The longest desert trip in the Bible is the one the Israelites took, and their desert trip was 40 years. And they took it when they were traveling um, from the land of Egypt to the land of Israel, Um, And I've heard about that journey. So the Israelites are in Egypt in slavery, and they leave Egypt. They go through the desert, takes them 40 years, and they end up in the land of Israel. And what I've heard about those three lands is that Egypt, well, that was the land of Pharaoh. And the land of Israel, well, that was the promised land. So you have the land of Pharaoh, the promised land, the desert... Well that's God's land. The desert is God's land. And the desert is God's land because when you're in the desert, you have to rely on God. God can shape you in the desert. So Jesus goes to the desert wilderness for 40 days and the devil comes to tempt Jesus. Now what are you supposed to do when the devil comes to tempt you? The Bible actually tells you what to do. When the devil comes to tempt you, this is what you do. James chapter 4. It says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you, which is exactly what Jesus does in Matthew chapter 4. He submits himself to God for 40 days by fasting, and at the end of those 40 days, the devil shows up, and Jesus is ready to resist the devil. The idea behind Lent is giving something up that you like, that you enjoy, and that will cause you pain. And that pain will lead you to rely on God for strength. And when you intentionally rely on God for strength, for 40 days, you will be in much better shape to resist the devil's temptations. Now, just a heads up, you noticed when you walked in that there is a piece of purple paper. It may look pink in this light, it's purple, okay? you, purple piece of paper and a pencil on your seat. If you have already decided to give something up for Lent, like you did that on Wednesday, um, just sometime during this message, write that down on that piece of paper and you're good to go. If you have not done that during this message, just kind of be thinking about what God is leading you to give up between now and then. And later in the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to write that down on the paper. But just um, If you haven't decided that yet, hold off for now. I'm calling this the 40-day diet. Um, The Israelites' journey from Egypt to the Promised Land was 40 years, and Jesus' 40 days in the desert was a fulfillment of the Israelites' 40 years. You see, when the Israelites were in the desert, they failed when it came to their temptations. And where the Israelites failed, Jesus succeeded. And so let's look at Jesus overcoming temptation after his 40-day diet. Now, first, Jesus gives up the physical for the spiritual. Jesus gives up the physical for the spiritual. If you go back to the passage, uh, Matthew four, starting in verse one. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 40 day diet, every diet is a discipline and every discipline is meant to prepare us for something that we currently cannot do. For example, if we cannot lose weight, we need to develop discipline in how we eat. And when we are disciplined in our diet and what we eat, well then we will be able to lose weight. Discipline enables us to do something that we currently cannot do. Well, Jesus has fasted for 40 days and is hungry, and he has given up something physical to do something spiritual. And if we always, if we always rely on the physical, it's gonna be really hard for us to grow in our faith. Jesus is tempted to turn stones into bread. And he replies, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, Jesus is quoting the Old Testament here. He's gonna quote the Old Testament three times in this passage, in Matthew four, verses one to 11. And every time he quotes the Old Testament, all three times, he's quoting the same book. He is quoting the book of Deuteronomy. And every quote from the book of Deuteronomy that Jesus cites is connected to something that happened on that Israelite desert journey where they wandered for 40 years. And it's related to a failure that they had. So the first Deuteronomy passage that Jesus quotes is Deuteronomy 8.3, man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Shortly after leaving Egypt, the Israelites complained about not having food. And so God gave them manna to eat. Manna is bread from heaven. You can read about this in Exodus chapter 16. And when God gave them manna to eat, when God gave them bread from heaven, that was meant to teach them that the bread that you are eating, that is not your source of life. The Israelites were concerned about their physical needs. God was concerned about their spiritual state. We think that if our physical needs are met, that we will be fine. If our physical needs are met, we will be fine. That is a lie. There are lots of people whose physical needs are met, and their lives are a mess. Yes, we need food to stay alive, but we need the Word of God to truly live. God's Word is our source of life. It nourishes our spiritual state. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so Jesus resists the temptation to turn stones into bread. Sometimes we need to give up the physical to attain something spiritual. And sometimes we need to give up proof and just take a step of faith. Give up proof and take a step of faith. Now I am not advocating for blind faith here. I am not saying, no, I just believe everything I say. No, we need to have reasons for believing. But having reasons for believing is not the same thing as proving what we believe. Before going into the wilderness, Jesus is baptized. And at his baptism, a voice from heaven says, This is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. That is... When a voice from heaven comes and says that, that's a good reason to believe. Now, in the wilderness, right after his baptism, this is what happens, beginning in verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. At his baptism, uh, the voice from heaven says, this is my son. And the devil challenges that. If you are the son of God, Prove it. And then quotes a scripture, Psalm ninety-one. The devil wants Jesus to prove who he is. And Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6, verse 16: Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And Deuteronomy 6, 16 is a reference to a series of times in the Israelites' desert journey when the Israelites complain about needing water and then food and then water again, you can read about it in Exodus 15, 16, and 17. After all the miracles of God delivering the Israelites out of Egypt, including splitting the sea in two, they need more proof that God is with them. And God was teaching them that sometimes you have to take a step of faith We are an evidence based culture. We need proof. And on top of that, we are constantly feeling the need to prove ourselves. And we think that if God were just to prove himself to us over and over and over again, we would believe. That's a lie. God has revealed himself to us over and over again, and there are lots of people that don't believe. Evidence and reason are one thing. Proof is something else. John 20 says, Then Jesus told them, this is after his resurrection, Jesus told him to Thomas, one of his disciples, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know, it's called faith for a reason. (laughs) Faith is what you exercise when God's presence is in question. Sometimes we need to give up our need for proof and just take a step of faith. And sometimes we need to give up power in order to submit. We need to give up power for submission. Jesus' time in the wilderness is at the beginning of his earthly ministry. And Jesus's earthly ministry will basically end with his death on the cross. That is the path to glory that the Father has for the Son. While the devil offers Jesus another option, another way. Beginning in verse eight. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. The devil offers Jesus glory and power without any pain. If simply Jesus worships the devil... And in Jesus' response, you can almost hear disgust in his voice, away from me, Satan. And then he quotes Deuteronomy 6, verse 13. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You see, when the Israelites were on their journey to the Promised Land in the desert at the base of Mount Sinai, Moses went up the mountain to meet with God, and God gives him the Ten Commandments, and Moses is coming back down the mountain, and he discovers that the Israelites have made a golden calf. And they're worshiping it, saying, these are the gods who led us out of Egypt. You can read about that in Exodus chapter 32. You see, Moses was a long time in coming back down the mountain. And the people were getting worried, and they were getting scared, and it was just getting too hard to wait any longer for Moses to come back. This God who rescued them was just too hard and sometimes too scary to follow. So they wanted other gods to follow, ones that they could follow on their own terms. Following Jesus is not an easy path. It is not the path of riches and leisure. It is the path of service, sacrifice, and suffering. Jesus said in Luke 22, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. Sometimes we just have to give up power in order to submit and serve Lent is a time when we follow Jesus into the desert and we do our own fasting by giving something up for 40 days we give up something physical we take steps of faith and we submit we submit what we want to seek what God wants from us and for us. And we do all of this to prepare our hearts for what God wants to do. Now, Lent leads up to Easter. Easter is Resurrection Sunday. We spend 40 days in Lent, in one sense, dying to something physical. We spend 40 days in Lent dying to something physical so that God can raise something spiritual in us. I realize that Lent started this past Wednesday. I'm a big believer in better late than never. So let's follow Jesus into the desert. And give something up between now and Easter. Easter. Now, I'm going to give you, walk you through some options for those of you who have not decided yet what you're going to do. But once you figure out what it is you're going to give up, I'm going to invite you to write it down on that purple piece of paper. And then we're going to take them to the prayer wall and put them into the prayer wall as our commitment to God. Now, for those of you who haven't decided what to do yet, let's just, I'm going to walk you through our Stuffed series and give up something from one of those four weeks when we went through the four different areas of what things we are stuffed with. So for the Lent practice, I want us to give, us, give up something from the Stuffed series. The first week was talking about our stuff. And so one option for us is to give up our stuff. What is something you could give away or at least put away until Easter? And not something extra, but something that holds value to you. You know, like the biggest TV you own or your Apple Watch, something that you use often. Um, Put it away until Easter. Or you could take a really big step and give it away, but at least put it away. If you choose to give up some of your stuff, you can write whatever that stuff is on the purple paper. Another option is to give up grudges. Maybe there is a relationship that has been broken for a while. Is there a step you can take to try to reestablish it? I understand relationships are a two-way street, but if you choose to give up a grudge, you can write the name or initials of the person that you want to try to re-establish that relationship with on that piece of paper. A third option is to give up ourselves. And a practical way of doing that, to take the focus off of ourselves, is to spend more time serving others. You could commit to doing daily acts of service. You could do them at work. You could do them out around the house. Kids, you could spontaneously do the dishes. It would be a miracle. Um, if you choose to give up a little bit of yourself um, and you want to do daily acts of service, write maybe what the particular daily act is or just the generic daily acts of service on your paper. The fourth category is to give up pleasure. And this is probably the most common traditional act of Lent, but it's popular for a reason. Because when you give up something you like, when you give up something you like, it's going to hurt. Which then is meant to turn your focus off of the pleasure and onto God and His presence. So if you choose to give up a pleasure, right? Whatever pleasure that might be for you. It could be something you eat, something you drink, an activity you do. Now, in a minute, I'm going to pray. And after that prayer, I'm gonna invite you to write down what you will give up on the purple paper. If you've already have given something up and you started doing that Wednesday, you can just write that down, that's great. And then after you've written it down, I want you to take it to the prayer wall. And when you go to the prayer wall, I want you to use the outside aisles this aisle and this aisle, this aisle and this aisle. Use those aisles to go to the prayer wall. Go out those aisles and walk towards, around the back to the prayer wall. And then use the center aisle to return to your seats. Now, we're using purple paper because purple represents pain and suffering. And taking the purple paper, paper to the wall is an act of commitment committing to join Jesus on his desert journey, to join Jesus in his pain and suffering. And as we prepare for Easter, this Lenten season, we can have an optimistic expectation that God will raise up a spiritual strength in us. Please pray with me. And Lord, we do thank you for um, Jesus, for um, his servant's heart. Lord, for his willingness to submit, his willingness to suffer on our behalf. And Lord, I would ask that your spirit would work in our hearts to identify something that for the next 40 days, we can give up as a way of joining our Savior on his desert journey. And Lord, I would ask that whatever form that takes for us, that you would honor that, and that your Spirit would strengthen our faith in you. Lord, we thank you, and it's in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus we pray. Amen. It was in the desert that God instructed Moses and said, when Aaron and his sons bless my people, this is how you are to bless them. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord
1: turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.